What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Surf and Sales podcast. We are rapidly approaching historic episode 400, I think is what Richard uh, just informed me. We don't actually know the exact number off the top of our head because that would be way too precise for us, wouldn't it, Richard? It would be. Uh, usually I'm the precise one. The fact that you even asked me the question was uh, interesting to begin with. So Yeah, it's, it's, I'm big on attention to detail right now, Richard. This yeah. is a big focus of mine, really digging into the metrics and all this kind of thing. Yes, you, yeah. No, you're not. You've always done no. that. But you just you just find some ops person to do it for you. That's the only reason you keep me around. Because I yeah, I'm obsessed with people. metrics as long as I'm not the one who has to go get them. That's where my obsession dies. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you uh, are new to the show, I'm Scott Lease, one of the co-founders of the Surf and Sales Summit, and that is Richard Harris, the other co-founder of the Surf and Sales Summit. We uh, have an event coming up November 27th to December 1st. That is for any first-time attendees, and we have an alumni-only event coming up December 2nd through December 6th of this year. Check it out at surfandsales.com. Richard is going to introduce our wonderful sponsor, and then we're going to get to talking a little bit about sales, a little bit about entrepreneurship, a little bit about sports with Matt Wolf, who's the founder of Ticket Time Machine. Richard, tell everybody about our wonderful sponsor. Yes, we are uh, really appreciative and grateful to HubSpot uh, for putting us on the HubSpot podcast network, as well as the HubSpot YouTube network. They're now picking uh, our episodes and putting them up on YouTube. You can find them there. We appreciate all they're doing to support us and surfing sales and just the sales community at large. Uh, it is June of 2023. We're going to talk about what's happening in September in Boston. Uh, in person, live, real people, human-to-human -human contact, September 5th through the 8th, that is Inbound, that's HubSpot's Inbound, where they bring together all the leaders across sales and marketing and customer success and ops, um, and they're going to be talking about, I don't know, anything in the marketing sales world. I'm pretty sure AI will be a topic. I mean, I haven't seen an agenda, but I'd be shocked if it wasn't. So, um, And of course, HubSpot's got some of their own AI tools built into their system. Um, so if you haven't checked those out, you should. And of course, some of these people will be there as well. Morgan Debon, Kim Scott, Damesh Shah, uh, Yamini Rangan, Derek Jeter, and Reese Witherspoon. Yes, some Series A, Celebrity A-list. That's the word I'm looking for, A-list. Here's, here's the thing uh, I noticed about getting old, Richard, is that the people who are celebrities, you start to not knew, know who they are. I, yeah, I know like... I only know like the last two names on that list, really. You know? I agree. I agree. But that's why people should go, because maybe we should listen to somebody different than we normally listen yeah. to. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. Well, thanks, to, thanks to HubSpot. Thanks, Richard, for the uh, introduction. Matt Wolf, founder of Ticket Time Machine. How you doing, man? Welcome to the show. I'm doing great. Glad to be here. I love talking about sales and I know uh, go against the grain a little bit. I love that. Let's, uh, let's tell everybody a little bit about Ticket Time Machine and what your sales environment, sales process is like, so people have some context for uh, yeah. who they're listening to. I uh, I started Ticket Time Machine. Uh, I was at a game. Edinson Volquez throws a no hitter. They didn't have printed tickets. It was digital, and they announced over the loudspeaker, "If you want a ticket, come to the box office." So I did because I collect these things. I collect a lot of stuff, 
And I went up and I said, can you put Edinson Volquez no hitter on there? They said that they couldn't. I know that they can because of my background in the ticketing world that they just didn't want to. And that's where Ticket Time Machine was born. We're keeping the printed memory alive with our physical keepsakes. And we've added some digital experiences with some amazing tech partners. And it's commemorative. We can do for admission, but, you know, nine out of 10 people don't do that. It's, you know, we've done prom and eighth grade dances and conferences and sporting events and music festivals, weddings, just anyone who wants to commemorate something with a physical keepsake, we have a lot of different options for them. What do you find most interesting about selling technology solutions to folks not from the technology industry? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not, so I find it difficult because I'm actually not a tech guy. I, you know, I've sold technology. I've sold SaaS, uh, anti-money laundering solutions. And, um, but I'm really just using the tech as an add, uh, added value. And so I, I rely a lot on my partners to help me sell that technology onto it. And most of my sales is concentrated on the, you know, the physical keepsake. Mm-hmm. You talked about relying on partners. That this is becoming more and more prevalent, um, <clears throat> this idea of partner selling, partner ecosystems and whatnot. What is that world like for you? How does, how does that process yield you know, successful results for you? Well, I think no matter who you are and what you're doing, you have to surround yourself with the right people. And for me, as a, you know, I'm the only one here, at Ticket Time Machine, I need help in a lot of areas. So part of the partnering is, look, what I'm not good at, I, I find the other people who are good at that. And I, you know, the, the true partnership, you know, in the sales, you know, sales is a dirty word, sponsorship's a dirty word. They like to use the word partner instead of sponsor. I'm talking about true partnership where I'm investing stuff, time, resources, they're investing, investing. We put something out in the world and we share in whatever happens there. And I think there's a lot of opportunity for me to partner um, in a lot of different ways. And to me, you know, you partner with the people who are good at what they do and leverage, you know, their assets and their intellect and their people. And I find that people can leverage the same here. We have people, conversations where people have licensing and we have unique assets that they can use. And so there's, that's the type of partnership we're looking for. Cause for me to go out and get licensing on my own, it just doesn't make any sense for a lot of different reasons. And is, is you're, you're trying to, um, I mean, obviously you want to align yourself with like the right people, but you, there, there's gotta be a way to hit the bullseye on that a little more, at least more often than not. So as you're looking at partners, having these conversations and dialogues, is there certain red flags that you're listening for that you're, you're hoping, well, I hope, you know, this doesn't come up. This is a bad sign. This person might be a nightmare to work with, not a good partner, not do equal amount of work. How do you, how do you vet these people on the partner side? Yeah, I think, and I've had to change partners. I've had partners to start that are, I'm no longer partnered with, uh, the type of interactions you have with them, I think, really can tell how fast does someone get back to you uh, in, in commu- how do they communicate with you? Because if they're not going to act a certain way and react and communicate with you, I would assume that's the best they're going to do. So how are they going to do with your consumers or other people that you're trying to 
to work with. Um, but I, you know, I, I have complete confidence in the people that I partner with once I'm sharing them with the outside world and other people. So I don't really bring them into any conversation until I know that I can rely on them because I'm putting my reputation on the line in a little bit, you know, some things you don't know, but I think there, there are certain things like not replying to emails, you know, asking someone for something with even like a soft deadline, but they don't get it to you in time. Um, that Those are the sort of things for me. Have you ever um, had partnerships for, for nobody's fault? They just go sour, right? Like you had a good partnership, things did work. And then it's time to have this sort of business conversation of like, hey, this doesn't seem to be working out. Has that occurred for you yet? It hasn't. It hasn't happened with someone that I didn't that I still wanted to move forward with. Mm -hmm. But um, we, my friend and I actually we did uh, invest in a in a virtual world, and we got it, it was fraud. The guy fraud. This guy took almost a half a million dollars from his own family and, and probably could have vetted it a little bit more, but there was no re all the signs were pointing to it should have been okay. And it was kind of like felt like a Ponzi scheme or like robbing uh, Peter to pay Paul. But yeah. the, the crazy thing is the guy had the resources to actually do what we wanted. And we had an infrastructure that would have been successful for him. So it was a real, a real head scratcher, but um, no, I think, you know, I, I'm, being able to make all the decisions on my own, I, I like to get creative. And I don't think that there's a lot of things that we can't overcome. Like you talk about how do we split up, split up the money? We'll find a way to make it worth it. Because I think for me, it has to be a win, 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 win. So that's a win for me, a win for the partner, a win for like the team or the league or the venue or the event I'm working with and a win for the fan. And I see no reason why we can't make that happen. You kind of laugh at the pros like the bargaining, right? I mean, like, woe is me. How are we going to split up a, a billion dollars, right? <laughs> it's just the money's there. It's You just got to find the creative way to do it. And then you have to find the people who have the vision and, and the, you know, are risk averse. Uh, and then there's, but there's some people who say, look, if it's not going to make me X amount, we're not even going to touch it. So we, we move on. Got it. Makes sense. Um, what were your biggest hurdles? Like, did you have, once you decided to do this, well, let me ask you this quick, ask it this way. So you discovered this little niche, this pain that exists. Did you have to spend time convincing yourself to go do this or was it a no brainer for you? And what were you doing before that? Like, what was your, what were you doing for a living before you decided this? Yeah. So I'll answer the last one. It was a no brainer for me. And uh, I was working for LexisNexis Risk Solutions, so anti-money laundering solutions. And for a while, I actually was doing both. Um, the, the question you asked is a great question. What was the roadblock? For this, there were zero because over the course of my life, I had probably eight to 10 ideas that I thought were great and I'm going to do this and this is going to be awesome. And then I hit that first roadblock and I was like, ah, I can't do this. I kept telling myself, making excuses. And this time I just said, you know what? This is it. And I don't care what the roadblock is. I'm going to go right through it. And I think that's the big, like, we can't get out of our own way for so much things. Just the, the Nike slogan, just do it. That's the greatest slogan in the history of the world. Because once you start to do it, you'll find that there's very few roadblocks that you can't get 
what were your what were some of your your roadblocks early on? I'm lazy. That All was right. probably the biggest one. Yeah. Yeah. Selfish with my time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so, I, there was probably a little bit of a like a can I do this? But I I'm pretty confident in everything I do. Yeah. So I, it's not it wasn't huge, but it just any little roadblock would have been like, oh, we got to get police, you know, security to to help with this. And how am I going to do that? And if you make one call and it doesn't work now, you're like, oh, let's move on to the next thing. Yeah. So talk about that laziness, right? It sounds a little familiar uh, for me. How do you what do you finally do to kind of kick yourself in the butt to go, OK, you do have to go for it? Well, I you know, I was so unhappy at work. That's the first thing. And it was a classic case of selling more and making less because they keep changing. I know Scott will love this, keep changing the comp plans on you and, and the, you know, the magic quota. And, you know, I, I got circle of excellence three years in a row, which is unheard of, but it's, it's kind of just the nature of the beast. I got a little bit lucky the first year, but worked hard toward it. And then they made it so I can't make COE. And there was like, there's no point. Like, what do I, if you can't do it and you know, in January you're done, like, what am I doing here? So that was, to me, that was the biggest thing, like finding a way. I don't like people telling me what to do. And so I, that's it. I just said, I'm going to do this. I also, I had huge passion and belief in it because I'm a collector. I'm a fan. They took printed tickets away from me and I want to find a way to make it happen. And I know, I know they can, it was just, look, they took, they went digital for two reasons. One, it's cheaper for them, but the main reason they did it is data. They want to collect the data. And anyone who tells you anything else is, is lie. COVID was a scapegoat. There's nothing different between scanning your phone and not touching me and scanning a ticket and not touching or scan. So that, that's it. And, um, you know, and people were doing it. The, the Toronto Blue Jays opened up the Sky Dome and had a commemorative ticket for it. That's 30 something years ago. You, do you uh, have tickets that you've saved, Richard? No, I was never that guy. You know, in hindsight, I wish I had, but I have some friends back home and they've got, you know, the 1987 REM concert, you know, yeah. um, tickets. How about you? Do you have a bunch? Well, I used to have a ton. I don't know where they are, but I have one that is on display in um, my office. I can't um, read it. Can't read it, but what is that? There you go. Bills, oh, Giants, Giants, Washington Nationals. Giants, Nationals in 07. What do you um, think was happening there? Is that the earthquake game? No, no, no. no. That's uh, that's the that's the that's the game. Barry Bonds broke the home run uh, record. I think I was at that game too, actually. Now that you mention it, so yeah. So that ticket is worth. Uh, I know it's probably worth more to you, but it's worth a lot of money. There's a whole community of it that my friend. We I can for a different day, but this is a Justin Fields debut. He happens to just get on the field once. And my friend just sold it for $750. Oh, my goodness. There you go, Scott. So imagine what you're buying. I have no buying. idea. Hey, if, things get, if things get dire enough, at least I can uh, try to move some of my old ticket stubs. Thousands of dollars for that box. Easy. Though. Yeah. Uh, that's great. What? Um, so now that you sort of got through this laziness, do you think, in hindsight, looking back at the other eight ideas, was it lazy or you weren't passionate enough? Or is that the same thing? Or were they bad ideas? Maybe you're like now. Oh, no, like, I think like, a couple no, were, were very good ideas. 
I also think maybe I wasn't ready. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, the, who I am today is much different than who I am, who I was 10 years ago from a, you know, even just from a working point of view, an employee, a salesperson, maybe even a human being, um, all of that stuff. So I think that's part of it. But uh, I mean, this feels like if you talk about the perfect thing for me, this feels like it. And it did from the start. And I, I'm a very calm person and monotone in a lot of ways. But when I talk about this stuff, you can tell, you hear me talking about a lot of other things. Uh, it's, it's just night and day. Yeah. What, um, what would you have told yourself? I hate this question, but I'm going to ask it. You know, now that you actually have a better question. What was the moment? You were full-time LexisNexis. You started this as the side hustle, sounds like, right? You were sort of doing both or did you, right? No, I was full-time Lexus, yeah. yeah. So how long did it take you before you finally cut the cord? I think it was a year. So what happened is I was, it was approaching the end of 2019. And I said, I said, I got to go all in on this because I, you know, could I steal a paycheck? I guess I could, but I, it wasn't. I wasn't making me happy and it's just hard to do this without being able to set calls in the middle of the day and go to events and having to lie about what I'm doing and block off stuff on my calendar. It's just, it wasn't for me. So I went to my boss and I said, look, I'm, I, I, I have this company. I started, I want to go all in on it. I'll give you like, you know, whatever you want, three months, I'll finish it off. And so the end of 2019, I said, April 1, 2020 is going to be my last day. Uh, fast forward, I got married on leap day of 2020, and everyone knows what happened the week after that. Um, COVID hit, and now uh, COVID hits. I'm out of a paycheck, and I'm selling tickets to events that aren't happening. And it's the probably the best thing that ever could have happened because I wasn't ready to sell to anyone. I, I'm still building my brand and understanding what we're doing. So the COVID year gave me an opportunity to, to talk to people, and everyone would talk to you. Right. I mean, nobody didn't talk to you. Yeah, it's true. Nobody had anything to do. So everybody was like, yeah, sure. I'd be happy to talk to you just yeah, to have it was interaction. Great. Yeah, it was <laughs> now great. now that we're uh, a few years removed from it and, and the economy and everything. It's tough out there. Nobody wants to talk to you. Well, I'm, like that, I'm, I'm the type of person who would, I'm, I'm about as accessible a person as you'll ever meet. I'll give everyone my time. Um, you know, assuming it it makes sense, there's things that just don't make sense. And I don't mind being pitched to because I, I, I live my life in the, the, for me, the golden rule. That's how I live. And I was talking to my friend the other day about like when I have all these employees, they're going to love working for me because I'm going to have to give them exactly all the things I bitched about not getting when I was working. Right. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise you're like a horrible hypocrite, right? Yeah. And and yeah. look, I guess if you have to business-wise, you'll be a hypocrite. We all are, if you want to get into the golf conversation, but um, yeah, that's the way it's going to be. And so I don't, you know, if I'm expecting that it's okay for me to pitch you, and I'm not talking about like, you know, the stuff we get that is spam. I'm talking about, Hey, this makes sense. Let's have a conversation. Then I would be like, yeah, you can do that. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I say too. I, I always tell people I will respond to every message I get on LinkedIn, every single DM that isn't spam. 
everyone that's not trying to get me to hire developers in the Ukraine or franchise out a Chick-fil-A, you know, all those ones I'm not responding to, but anything else that's legit, you know, I'm going to respond, offer my two cents or, you know, answer a question for somebody or, you know, say, well, yeah, I actually do know Matt. I might be able to make an introduction if that's what you're looking for or, or whatever the, the request is. Um, do you I, ever, try to, do you ever, I try to be pretty accessible as well. Do you ever give them sales tips on how they could have better uh, written to you? Very rarely. Very I rarely. I do that sometimes. What do, you, what do you find yourself telling them more often than it not? It just depends. It's more... Are you like rewriting their emails for them or no, something? No, I'm just saying, you know, it, you probably would have been better saying this instead of that, or this is obviously automated. I don't care mm-hmm. if you if it was intentional or not. Or um, yeah. I could see Richard behaving that way. I, I also get on a phone or Richard, email. I could see Richard getting a, a, a cold email or DM from somebody and rewriting the whole thing and sending it back to the person saying, this is what a proper message would have looked like. Have you ever done that, Richard? It's going to let you believe what you want to believe. I'm going to <laughs> here's the thing about that. Well, you can believe whatever you want. It's okay. Here's the thing about that. I'm not telling them what I think would be a great email. I'm telling them what I think would have worked better on me how you would have been able to engage with me better, which is different than how you engage with Scott, which is different That's than true. how you engage with Richard. Yes. Right? The other thing that I get, I'm curious if you guys get is, I'm not here to, I'm not going to pitch you, whether it's on an email or a call. And I go, well, why not? You have me. You might never get me again. You've already written to me. What, what, like, I'd rather okay. you pitch me than tell me you're not going to pitch me because I all, everyone knows you're pitching me anyway. <laughs> Everyone knows you eventually want to pitch, pitch right, me. Right. Let's just get right to the point quicker. Yeah. So the answer to that question is um, Scott, and I'll tell you why it happens. Your good friend Tony Marshall noticed it. I think he was the one who said this. But I have, particularly on my phone, I've, I've put in some shortcuts. Like I can shortcut something that says I just type in 30k, and it has an automated message that'll drop in, and then I can just hit send for certain people. Um, and then uh, if they catch me on an interesting day, I might respond. My biggest problem is that I get angry about it. So I want to take it out on someone when I can't. And Tony Marshall once told me that I'm what's known as a last replier. I'm the one who wants to be the last. <laughs> you always have that the last word. Yes. And so like people will say, you know, thank you. So I turn around and write, you're welcome. Oh. I think that's the appropriate thing to do or, and then they might turn around. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, have a good weekend. And then I got to go you too. So it's just like, it's, I hate that because I collect it. I, I save every email. It goes right, right into a folder. Yeah. Oh, I have every email too. I, it's really, I got to look at the, thank you. You're welcome. Have a great weekend. You too. Right. Yeah. So, um, so that, that's part of it is how I'm wired. Scott, do you even say you're welcome if someone says thank you? I think not. Come on. Come on. Of course I do. Well, the difference between saying it and writing it in an email. Yes. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not making a point to be the last texter though. This is is a level of neuroses that I don't possess. Yeah. That's my neuroses. (laughs) (laughs) We got to take a, uh, a short break and do the uh, mid roll, I believe as they call it, Richard, this is your cue. 
Yep. You're going to have to do one of these soon, buddy. I'm going to make you do Monday. But uh, let's talk about our good friend, John Barrows. Make it happen Monday. Uh, also part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. Um, make it happen Monday gives you very actionable insights and sales tips to close more business, be better at prospecting. Uh, and John brings on a great, great number of leaders and um, including people like Valerie Fridland, um, John and Valerie, uh, who is the author of the University of Nevada at Reno. She's an author professor to explore the impact of language on our everyday lives, right? Which is really interesting because in sales, that's what we do. It's all about communication. Words matter and choosing those words. And, and so that episode, they really dive deep on it, on literally linguistic techniques um, that we can use that give us a little bit more power and purpose and thoughtful intent. So if you haven't checked out Make It Happen Mondays with John Barrows, please do. And uh, tell him we sent you because he's a good friend of ours. Scott, back to you in the studio. You've just become so good at the commercials. I think the people would never want to take that away from you. Never, (laughs) never. Matt, uh, it's kind of a difficult year. There's all sorts of data that says, you know, 18% of people are hitting quota and things like that right now. What are some of the, the strategies that you're deploying that are working? And are they different than they were a year or two ago? I, I've shortened my, uh, my pipeline to only things that I think have a, and I, I don't have a metric for this, but things that I think could happen, you know, in the short term, right? Lower hanging fruit. So I, I mean, I, I in Salesforce, I had I would have like hundreds of tasks to do. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to sit here and go through this. And it's, I've already contacted them twice. So I've been pushing things down um, that I think are just, I don't know, probably not, not as a good use of my time. That's the biggest thing that I've done to change and then hopefully have better conversations and whatever I am reaching out to, it at least feels like there's a better chance that it could, it could happen. But, you know, I have a unique for me, it's unique because I'm the only one making sales calls and doing everything. So sales and business development and customer service and all of that. So I, I've never been in an environment when I was like a segment of the sales process. I was always the whole sales process. And I actually, I prefer it that way. I know, you know, when I was joining Thursday Night Sales, you hear all these different types of salespeople and the closer and the, I, I never experienced any of that. So I kind of have everything yeah. from the start to the finish. Yeah. Do you think some of these roles will survive moving forward that were created? Well, I can only talk to myself. I would only hire someone to do everything. I wouldn't hire a closer. I, I think it's important to for continuity when you're talking. And then that might be just for you know my industry. Right? It might be different for others. But think about the process. I don't know. I mean, the, the the full cycle account executive is maybe making a little bit of a comeback. There's more people. That's for me. That's all. That's the only option. Think about the. the that's all I. That's all I did too. Yeah. Think you about know. the feeling you're in a car dealership. Like you're talking to a guy who has no power, can't do anything. Like, why? Why am I talking to you? Yeah. Well, or you just get uh, passed from one person to the next. 
Yeah. And you're sort of like, what's going on over here? You know? I got this email. There's a new phenomenon where I get an email and then literally five minutes later I get, oh, you probably heard from Jim. Um, I wanted to follow up on this. I'm like, I didn't, it's 10 minutes. Like, first of all, it's a terrible, uh, it's terrible to do anyway, but it's 10 minutes. Who, who, who took it and read your email and then is, oh yeah, now that you're more important, I guess I'll talk to you. Hmm. What do you, what is it that you like about full cycle, right? Being your only person to run your prospect. What do you like about that? Well, I, I like to control my own destiny. That's the part of the reason why I like working for myself. I like um, knowing, you know, being able to identify where I could do better for myself because I'm, tra- I'm almost, tra- I, I have a real good accounting with emails and the way I enter stuff in Salesforce to understand uh, exactly what's happening. And I treat my Salesforce in a way that if I had to give someone all my stuff, they would know exactly what's going on with all of the stuff and they can follow it. So, man, he's like the opposite of me from a solopreneur standpoint, Richard. Totally agree. I was just going to say the same thing. Like, see, he's a one man operation too. He and I both have CRMs. So Scott still just runs in Excel. Yeah. That's for me. It's for me also. So how do you, I want to ask this because we don't ask a lot. So if you really like full cycle, how do you manage your time? I think that could be my challenge with it was, and I did do it for, for many years, but it just became a time thing. And for a guy like me with ADHD, it's hard for me to commit. Sometimes it's hard for me to commit 15 minutes to anything. Um, but um, how, how do you break up your time around that? What yeah, so that doing? part of that has to do with what I just said, where I, I push stuff off further that I don't, I, I think are just, you know, it, it's not a great use of my time. So I have Salesforce that gives me my tasks that I got to do every day. And I can easily just click it to another day. I have a list every day that I make of what's important for me to handle, you know, jobs that I'm working on, who I definitely need to get to today and things that I need to work on even outside of sales, like marketing and promote promotion material and, you know, setting up for events and travel that I, that I have. I'm very good at time management. I think there's enough time to do everything um, and it's, you know, the way I organize my email, my CRM, it, it helps. I, I try and operate. Well, I, I used to operate at a zero in, inbox. Um, and then it got, you know, I have stuff that's there, but I, I've read everything. I have no read on my phone, if that makes any sense. I don't have anything that hasn't been, that hasn't been seen. So, you know, everything takes care of it. I multitask. I know some people tell you not to, but I but think- if you don't get a reply from Matt, Richard, it means he's left you on red. That's what he's saying. That's okay. Oh, if you don't get a reply from me, something happened because I replied to 99% of everything I get. And it's just, I, I, uh, it's one of the reasons why I expect so much from people. And there, yeah, because you, you prioritize responding to people one way or the other. And so you're hoping for that. I think it's the most important thing. Communication. Yeah. Yeah. How fast can you communicate with someone and how good can you communicate? Yeah. Um, I think that's one of the most important things in sales. And that's not even sales. That's customer service. That's just, it, to me, it's common sense. Well, you're in the minority. <laughs> I get it. I'm in the minority about a lot of things. But I'll tell you what, 
I'm going to prove that it can be successful. And there's well, I agree it's successful. I'm, always, I'm like you in that regard. I'm in the minority as well. Yeah, um, I'm okay with I, that. I'm okay I get frustrated. I get frustrated by it. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I take the, I take everything personally. This is an area that all three of us could improve upon. Mm-hmm. Not taking everything as personally. But, but why do I care if 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 Scott does this to everyone? Why? How does that make me feel better? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't have an answer to that, Richard. I don't know. I've been reading a lot about envy and jealousy and anger lately. Um, and is it helping? What's that? Is it helping? <laughs> it's giving me perspective. Um, I won't go too is it deep. Anger or is it frustration? There's, I think those are two different things. Well, it depends. So oftentimes being disappointed. Well, that, but that's part of the envy, right? Like, so sometimes it's the sadness. Sometimes it's the anger that's on top or underneath and, it's one of those things where, you know, the rule of reciprocity is that, you know, when we do good deeds, we expect a good deed to be done for us. So that's why when people, you know, do things, we give out these good deeds. And then when we expect them to do it for us, we get angry at them. Like, what I did this for you, right? And it's kind of like, well, wait, the, you know, what I'm reading says, well, what if you lean in and say, wow, you know, you really did do that for them and that did help them. And that's a good thing. And you take a moment and you realize the good you did helps to navigate away from the anger you might have. Or when you see, I see this a lot in sales teams where, you know, the top rep hits the top rep and then, you know, there's everybody else who's like, Oh, you know, Scott always wins the spiff and Scott always gets this. And there's this anger and underneath it, there's envy and jealousy. And if we just took the time to say, Scott, man, you keep winning this every month. Can I talk to you and just learn from you a little bit? If I lean into that, but they're they're putting you against each other with sales compensation. Yes, or to a certain That's extent, everybody has the same opportunity. I mean, a spiff is different. I get it, but it doesn't even have to be spiff related. It's the same thing in life. Oh, so and so got that new car, right? It, it's kind of that. What's really underneath this entitlement craze we've been throwing around for the last five years, right? And so anyway, so I don't. I'll, so is it helping, Scott? It's giving me perspective, and it's giving me a. A moment to think um but you know i've been thinking a certain way for you know <laughs> years like, it, it ain't un, it ain't easy to unwind that shit you read the go-giver by bob burke no I have not. similar to what you're saying look do things because you could help people and it's the right thing to do and you can do it yeah and things will things will happen yeah Love i'm that. reading i'm reading the laws of human nature robert green which is very Machiavellian, right? He did the 48 Laws of Power. And this one's even worse because it talks about um, narcissists and the different types of narcissists. And what do you do when you have a narcissist? And, you know, how are you narcissist and all this stuff? So it's, that's where this stuff is coming from. That's where this envy jealousy stuff is. Don't you find that most of the stuff you read is uh, either A, common sense or stuff you already kind of know, but you need someone to tell you? Most of it is stuff that, I think like it's the same thing that we do when like as a sales trainer or go to market. A lot of times it's just validating what I've always believed and it gives me enough reinforcement to go. I can sink my teeth into that now. Yeah. And I think, I think the art, I think the art for me is, um, is hearing something phrased in a particular way that finally clicks and causes me to do something about it. Yeah. It's not that I've never heard of it before or thought of it before. It's just like, huh, 
that made tons of sense and it was simple or relevant to me in the way the story was told. And all of a sudden it's like, I get it now. Yeah. All right. That's what I, I find. Uh, it's the Obi-Wan effect. That works. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like, it's like, I know. Yeah. I already knew that was true, but this person articulated it in such a way that was like, wow, that was awesome. Yeah. And now I'm going to take action. And I think that's the, the art of it all. Well, we've got to uh, move towards the end of the show here, Matt. We appreciate you spending some time with us. We like to end every show by saying, how can we be he helpful to you? Do you have any questions for us? Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm always curious about, I, I don't take silence for, I don't take no for an answer. It's more no right now, but I also don't take silence for an answer. How do you handle that as far as how long, I, I say I don't ever end it. I'm always going to keep going back, but how do you space out? you know, as far as pushing something, how do you handle stuff like that? I think I know the answer is Scott. He'll just walk away from it. But if you're not going to, let's say you're not going to, what, what's a, cause you never know when the right time is. Even when someone tells you, Hey, get back to me in June. That doesn't mean that's when you should have gotten back to them. I say, Oh, I wish you would have gotten touch with me two weeks ago. And you're like, well, you told me, uh, you know, to call in June. And the other thing is, you know, the, when you call people, I think that we should call people out on their bad behavior, but then you're the asshole. So how do you do that without being the asshole? Mm -hmm. I'll let Richard answer the first question and I'll try to answer the second. I was kind of hoping I could answer the asshole question because I don't worry about being the asshole. Um, <laughs> All right, well, let's, mean, switch then. Let's, let's switch then. I'll answer the first one. No, so, I, I, I've got a real answer for the first well, one. I don't worry about being the asshole, but I just think people will look at you like, you shouldn't have done that, even though it, 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 I think it's more helpful than not. I think there's a couple of things I would say. So one, um, you know, in your original conversations with people, being able to say, look, if this is never a good fit, just tell me. And likewise, I'll tell you, you won't offend me. I literally say this on every first sales call I have. And then that draws a line in the sand so that when they do go dark, I think that's what you're asking about when they, they said they want to talk, right? So then I can say, well, I haven't heard from you in so much time. And when we first spoke, we said we'd let each other know. Can you let me know if that's what? On to the one about, you know, call me back in June or call me back after the first of the year, right? Um, there are a couple of them. One is to call a model on a professional and say, do you really want me to call you in the first of the year? Because I will. But if you're just telling me that to get off the phone, I won't. I don't need to waste your time, but I make it about their time, even though I know it's about mine. The other thing I'll do, I don't do this for January. I do this for other months. If they say, well, call me back in June. Great. Can I reach out to you the middle of May so we could set something up in June? So now I just bought myself a couple of weeks early because if I know I talked to him in June, in June, I know I'm not talking to him until August because July is going to come in summer and they're blowing me off. And it gives me a way to sort of check them of like, oh, no, 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 don't call me mid-May, call me in June. Okay, well, now they just recommitted to me calling them in June. They've said it twice now. So my hope, belief is that subconsciously they'll remember that so that when I reach out to them again and say, hey, per our conversation, you said to talk now, which of these days and times work for you? Um, and then the last thing is, I do think you have to cut bait. At some point, you just cut bait and you go find the next thing. And you're a year into two years into this business, 
Matt? I'm more more than that. Yeah, three. Okay. I've been all in three years. Okay. So Problem for me is I don't. It's not. It's not that they might not. I might have the wrong person and not mm -hmm. even know I have the wrong person. That's mm -hmm. another issue. So the other thing I can say in my business, I don't know. I don't know about yours. Is people always come back to me? Just about. I would say. 50% of the people I talk to, of the people I talk to who don't buy, 30 to 40% come back within like two years. Yeah. They need some advice. I said something they like. They're at a new place. You know, that's the nature of my business. So I just kind of know it's going to come back around. I've been doing it for 10 years and I, I, you know, there's enough of a pattern for it that it's not like a one-off. So that's sort of how I see it. Yeah. Um, so. That's why I push stuff out because it's just, I got to focus on the ones that I think the people yeah. who are responding, you know, reward people for being responding, responsive mm -hmm. to you and who have shown interest. Agreed. Yeah. Scott, you're up. Well, I, I follow up with people only kind of in the short term. So if I haven't heard from you and I've tried to follow up a couple of times, for me, I just kind of move on, like you said, and I, I wait for them to come back to me or I'll follow up with them in like six months. I'm pretty good about checking up with people every six months to see what's going on, but I, I'm not about like chasing people down. I just don't care. And it just frustrates me. Um, and so I'd rather just be like, okay, it's not working out for whatever reason. I'm going to move on. I got to focus on, on other things. Yeah. Um, as far as the, like, be an asshole part for calling people out. I don't really think that that is ever the case. If the delivery is done in the right way, you know, you can soften the language with every critique, suggestion, criticism, whatever you want to call it, you can soften it in such a way that it feels like a coaching moment, a teaching moment, or a, hey, I'm just trying to be helpful to you, right? I might say, hey, Matt, you know, I'm gonna look at your logo real quick. I'd be like, hey, Matt, um, have you ever thought about like changing the color of the red? It's like a little bit bright. Have you ever thought about that before? Maybe that's my subtle way of being like, dude, that red is like way too blinding. And it reminds oh, me. Oh, that's to me, yeah. that's construct. It's, it's orange, by the way. I'm talking about. I, I'm colorblind. So what do I do? <laughs> the point is like, you can soften the language, I think, to call people out on whatever you want to call them about. So they don't feel attacked and they feel that it's helpful. And I think if you I do that the right way, you're not an asshole. I mean, like I, someone posted, and you see this all the time, like, Oh, we, you need to be a connector and this and that. And this is the same person who won't reply to you. They won't get on a call. They won't do anything. And all they post about is how they want to help. And then all their other people say, yeah, this person's the best. And, and they do that. It's uh, that's the type of stuff I'm talking about. Yeah. That one, I mean, I, I wouldn't do anything with that really publicly, but um, you know, I think if I ever had the chance to engage with that person, I'd probably ask what's this, what's the story. Yeah. You know, um, and I'd probably, if I was asked by other people, you know, what's this person like, I'd probably give them the, I'd probably say the truth. I'd be like, well, you know, they position themselves this one way that has not been my experience. It doesn't mean that they're not that way with other people, but that is not the way that uh, my interactions with them have been. Yeah. 
I have yeah. about a handful of people that are very, I guess, popular or influential that that's the answer I give. It's not the experience I have with them. Yeah. That doesn't I think, mean. I think that's, and I think that that's okay. You know, in terms of an answer, I don't think that that makes you sound like an asshole at all. Um, I don't think that it is painting them and saying like, they are not actually who they pretend to be. They're just not that way with me for whatever reason. And I think that's okay. And then let everybody else come to their own kind of yeah. conclusion. So even the reviews, I don't go by reviews because everyone thinks differently about different things. Maybe that a bad day, who knows? So, yeah. Well, we appreciate you spending time with us, Matt, on the Surf and Sales podcast. Maybe we'll see you one day at the Surf and Sales Summit. Once again, we've got tickets available November 27th to December 1st of this year. And we will see you all next time on the Surf and Sales podcast. Thanks, Matt. Nice to meet you. Thank you.